You are listening to the Lifetonic Podcast, your resource for intentional living and personal growth. This podcast is designed to inspire and motivate you to be your most glowingly brilliant self. Expect to hear about the fun, the unknown, and out there aspects associated with how we can thrive in our bodies and minds. Each episode will challenge opinions, ask questions, and uncover wellness trends as I feature alongside inspiring leaders, healers, visionaries, creators, and disruptors in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Joanna O, and I am grateful for you tuning in today. I've got Alex Hilton here with me today, an entrepreneur and founder of The Lowdown, which is the world's first peer-to-peer review website for methods of birth control. It's a space where women can share their personal experience with any type or brand of contraception. And what is really unique about the lowdown is the website crunches this data supplied by real women and makes common trends available. So it's just kind of like an encyclopedia of everything there is to know about different methods of contraception. Two years ago, Alice Pilton decided to create The Lowdown, a website dedicated to reviewing methods, but also after noticing that the pill left her experiencing extreme mood swings. So hi, I'll let you talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think um, throughout my sort of um, teenage years and early 20s, it took me a very long time to realise the impact that contraceptives were having on my mental and emotional uh, health um, and I tried lots of different types of pill um, and I just noticed that they made me feel um, a combination of a few things but mainly uh, quite down quite flat um, and also quite sort of um, I couldn't really control my emotions very easily and over the years I found the process of looking and trying um for contraceptives quite painful and I found that I couldn't find any available uh, data on what contraceptives were out there and how people have found them you know whether whether other women had had these experiences um what were the you know side effects that they'd suffered from um and I just could not believe there wasn't a space um where that information was so I decided to create the lowdown and it's really amazing because nowadays and I think you mentioned this in a couple of interviews that I've read um with you is that we review everything nowadays online (laughs) (laughs) and here really the aim is to provide users with honest trustworthy reviews from again from real women who have had experience with particular contraceptive methods and it asks you I mean if you can talk me through it it asks you what simple questions it's anonymous yeah you go through you can um it's yeah it's all all reviews are anonymous but you you basically um just explain what what method you're reviewing how long you've been using it for kind of filling in what any side effects you had um We've identified that there's sort of four areas that women um, tend to care about or be impacted the most by their contraception, and that's weight, sex drive, mood, and period, and their periods. So you answer a few question on the- questions on those. Uh, you can leave some comments uh, to describe your experience, and then you also tell us how old you are, uh, whether you've had children, 
and uh, you can also tell us your weight, your weight and your height, uh, which are optional questions. Um, so we can calculate your BMI and see if there's any correlation between BMI and some of these side effects. And what are your findings? Because we are looking at effectively about what, 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 how much is out there really about what sixteen different types of contraceptive yeah. methods? Yeah, there's about sixteen main types, and then there's um, about five of those types have a range of brands. So, for example, the combined pill has sort of twenty to thirty brands of pill um, that sit under them. We're we're finding out a lot about you know which ones are women most satisfied with, which ones are more likely to cause specific side effects, and for example, um, you know, the mini pill or the progesterone only pill is our, our results show seems to cause spots or acne in more women versus the combined pill. And, you know, which ones are causing um, increased body hair or darker body hair, which reflects the fact that some types of progesterones are more likely to sort of activate the androgen receptors that cause, you know, skin and hair changes. The most sort of the most um, popular method of contraception is the hormonal IUS, um, the COIL. That that gets consistently um, high or kind of good reviews from people because um, it seems to be impacting our mood um, and our sex drive and things like that less than um, contraceptives that you take orally, like the pill. Um, and a lot of women like the fact that it stops their period as well. Um, so... Yeah, we're, we're really building up a picture for the first time on what, what, you know, what do you girls think? You know, how's it affecting you? What do you like? What do you not like about it? And it's it's really exciting. It is really exciting. But at, at the same time, if you can tell me, I feel like obviously when we talk about contraception, it's always a bit of hearsay. And I think in the past, and I don't know enough about this, I'm sure you do, but the what we would consider the menu of birth control everything you've just talked about there's been so few innovations in the last say 50 years you know there's obviously newer methods that have come onto the market um like the implant the shot the skin patch just providing different delivery systems for mm-hmm. the to enter your bloodstream but what why is there so little out there yeah. it's something i think a lot about um so there's basically the industry, um, the pharmaceutical industry only funnels about 2% of its annual revenue from contraceptives back into research and development, which is a very, very small amount when you compare it with other um, wow. types of drugs. Yeah. Um, and it's basically because even though contraceptives are used by, let's say, one, 1 billion people, they don't actually make that much money versus other types of drugs. So they'll never really be able to sell birth control drugs uh, at anything like the prices that they get for treatments for cancer or obesity or heart disease. To give you an idea, the US drug sales for hormonal contraceptives were around uh, $5.4 billion um, versus about $58 billion for cancer drugs. Wow. Uh, so, it's yeah, it's a much smaller size of the price for these guys um and there's also a few other factors um many drug companies are quite nervous because in the 70s there were a lot of lawsuits involved with one pharmaceutical company having to pull its new iud from the market um and about two two and a half million women had already used it at that point so and i personally i also think there's a perception that 
you know, we've got enough methods, you know, how many more do we need? Um, which I just think is is completely wrong. Um, as you say, many of these methods are using the same drugs, just in slightly different ways. And they all, you know, prevent pregnancy in very similar ways and thus cause very similar side effects. Uh, and it's just not on that we've sort of given up and accepted that, that you know, that's our lot. Yeah. It's almost like deal with what's out there. Yeah. And that's not right. Um, we need to innovate. We can't just stand still. Um, the majority of women are still taking types of contraceptive pill that were, you know, launched in the in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, which is crazy if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably the only sort of uh, the only drug on the market that, that is still being marketed by popular demand, almost in a way, because it's like okay, we know there's so much wrong with it, but we're still going to keep using it and nothing's going to change. Exactly. Yeah. I feel almost like, you know, what you were saying about the US, I've spent some time in the US as well. And I mean, the whole pharmaceutical industry there is on a completely different level, which is probably a different conversation for a different day. But it feels like when it comes to contraceptive methods, it feels like marketing decisions have been mostly the driver for positioning of contraceptive products for women rather than actual scientific innovation in research mm. and it's just like this aggressive marketing for new uses of the oral contraceptive like acne treatment um i don't know menstrual suppression even yeah consumers so it's almost like a lifestyle drug is yeah. that that fair yeah that's a really interesting point I hadn't really actually seen it from that perspective but I guess if we bear in mind what I just said about how small this market of hormonal contraceptives is uh, they're trying to therefore expand that market by marketing these drugs for other reasons um, my hunch is also that nobody's really asking women what they want <laughs> nobody's saying um, okay let's just like start from the beginning here right how do you want to not get pregnant what kind of ways would suit your life um what kind of things do you want to change uh, what annoys you and I, that's something i'm really passionate about when you're you're building any new product or designing any new feature where's the yeah where's the customer development because it's almost like you know if you think about some of these slogans that you can see because i've also like you taken many different pills throughout my life and i can quite clearly remember being I don't know, maybe 16 and having strange, irregular periods and being prescribed the first pill of my life, you know, like, and it had just nothing to do. And for years, I didn't know what was going on. So it's almost like there to deal with miseries of, I don't know, menstruation, headaches, irritability, maybe pimples. If you're a teenager, I know they prescribe that a lot, yeah. but it almost feels like okay, we know this can go wrong, but it outweighs the risk. Yeah, and I also think that's one of the reasons why many women like me may have um, been unaware of the impact that contraception can have on them because you start taking it at a time where everything's in flux, right? Your periods, your mood, you know, maybe your stress with exams. Uh, it's it's quite a difficult time to to add something new into that mix um, and that's often why you may not realize that it's contraceptives and not just your you know teenage angsty self uh, causing those problems I actually never thought about it from also from that perspective that there's so much already mm. fluctuating 
inside you that is just adding one more thing into the mix and equally when you come off the pill i don't know can you talk about your experience of because are you what's your method at the moment um i'm actually back to condoms um so yeah i think a lot of women like me uh i've i've tried all sorts i've tried everything from the pill to the patch i had the hormonal and copper coil for a number of years um and the last year i just decided to take the um take the copper coil out i think it was that i had in last and just uh kind of get back to normal uh have normal periods because the copper coil makes your periods quite heavy and yeah just using condoms and 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 enjoying having absolutely no side effects yeah i um i'm with you on that like more than 100% because basically my question was when you come off and say i don't know if you can relate but when i came off the pill it took me i don't know maybe and i actually saw a diagram i saw like a, a sort of a diagram that you had published i don't know if it was on the lowdown website probably or on your instagram and it was like how long different women take to go back to normal after coming off hormonal birth control mm-hmm. and it's also insane because you're living quite a stressful you know lifestyle likely yeah. going to work 9 to 5 doing all this extra stuff and then suddenly you're throwing your body completely out of whack yeah uh i think the stats on that are fascinating so most women on hormonal methods seem that, that you know we ask a question how long did it take to return to your normal quote unquote period cycle obviously everyone's version of normal is different but uh for you most women um on most of the methods it takes sort of one to two months but there's some some methods like the injection uh for example where almost 20% of women said it's taken their cycle 12 to 18 months to come back to normal and i've spoken to numerous women who for example haven't had a period for you know six months to a year after uh stopping the injection um it's the method that's most likely to stop your periods about 70% of women don't have periods with the injection um if you trust our data uh so it's yeah th- these are really important things both for fertility uh, you know how how quickly you want to have children after you stop using that contraception uh and also like you say just just understanding how and when you're going to um get back to normal uh, and that process can take some time yeah absolutely that's that's crazy up to 18 months yeah wow yeah no it really it really does it really does take its toll on you i think that's also an area that hasn't been researched very much potentially mm-hmm. i'm assuming but today i guess and based on the lowdown community who are effectively giving you like real life data on what's going on what would you say are the most commonly used methods and why so the combined and the progesterone only pill make up about half of our reviews uh it's estimated in the uk about 4 million women are on the pill it's um consistently the most uh, common method pretty much everywhere in the you know uk us australia um we mainly get women who are between sort of 18 to 30 reviewing it um and it's yeah it's the most common because it's it's the easiest to get women kind of started on uh, it's a good way of assessing how you react to hormones uh without potentially putting something like the injection or the implant in you you know before you've had time to try out 
how it works for you. Um, and it's also cheap. Um, so mm. the pill costs the NHS about 4p a day. Um, so oh, it's, wow. yeah, it's really, it's really cheap. Um, and then we're seeing a trend as women are getting older, they look like they're moving away towards long acting contraceptives, um, especially things like the hormonal IUS and the copper IUD which make up about 20% of our reviews, so the second most popular methods. And these uh, coils are actually really increasing in popularity, um, especially in the UK. It shows that about twice as many women have um, have got coils fitted in the last 10 years. Um, so they're very popular. The copper coil is probably the only really decent non-hormonal method we've got at the moment, uh, apart from you know condoms and sterilisation. Uh, and the hormonal coil, like I said, is 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 also popular. It, it stops your it mainly stops women's periods, um, which they like, um, and it it does have, from what we can see, slightly reduced hormonal side effects. So things like impact on mood um, and sex drive, they seem to be slightly lessened. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, everything you just said, I kind of have two questions. <laughs> One is. It's interesting you said um, it made me think about availability of, you know, trying to think back to when you're maybe a bit younger and how contraception is made available because you still, um, I mean, I you'll be able to tell me better, but you still see people taking the day after pill, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like the age at which you start entering that space how far have we come in that conversation how available is it to young girls is what's the education that's now happening behind that availability and access is another huge problem with contraceptives um because what yeah what what um pill you're prescribed uh, what brands are available what brands are still being made is is dictated by kind of global pharmaceutical um political forces that are very difficult to comprehend but very important um and it's not just the the availability of the drugs but it's also the availability of the appointments it, you know the us and nhs um sort of health systems are hugely overstretched in many ways there was a recent survey that showed that found that six in ten medical professionals working in sexual health services in england were having to turn patients away every week so just trying to get your foot through the door or get that appointment or make sure you see someone to discuss your options or get a prescription or just trying to pick up that prescription, uh, it can be really, really difficult. Um, and women, unfortunately, shoulder most of that um, financial and sort of time, effort and emotional burden. Yeah, that's so crazy. We are we have amazing systems in place, but then obviously it's understandable that they are, especially when it comes to sexual health. I think mm-hmm. there's so much made available, but obviously, yeah, not as available often. Yeah, I think you're right. Women do kind of take that responsibility on themselves. Almost, they're kind of the gatekeepers of uh, fertility and deciding whether to have children or not. But do you also see a trend in sort of age groups? Because you said um, maybe as women get older, they move towards more long lasting. Does that mean does that mean they're putting off, you know, or kind of family planning differently? Yeah, there's definitely some really strong um, indicators of kind of age and, and what method you're most likely to be using at different ages. I think 
that's a combination of a few things so when we talk about older women uh getting coils fitted uh, more more older women getting coils fitted than younger women there is still a perception and in many ways a myth that you have to have had a baby to, uh, to get the coil fitted it's not the case and i think that puts off a lot of younger women who could potentially um who if they're open to it could you know really find this method works for them i think uh, also there's some age factors with the pill uh, so if you smoke and you're over 35, um, they normally advise you shouldn't be taking the pill. So they might move you to something else. I also think there's something that happens throughout women's lives where they develop the understanding, they have access to more information, and they understand their body better um, as they go through their sort of 20s and 30s. And they, you know, they really start to critically assess uh, what am I taking what do I need I would never have asked any of these questions at 16 clearly I didn't you know and I was um, not not in as much control as I am now but I, I don't also don't think we should expect a 16 year old to ask ask those questions because um, without being patronizing it's like I said a, a changing time um, so it's you know how well can you really understand your body at that age exactly so it's almost, yeah, it goes back to that education aspect of it because I don't think there was much out there when when I was first, you know, uh, prescribed a pill. And yeah. also that was pre kind of the, the rise of the internet, which mm-hmm. I guess brings me to the next question because at the end of the day, the lowdown is an internet resource, a very, very valuable one. What do you think the effect of the internet has been in sort of opening up that conversation? What do you see equally as the challenges of basically everything that you can, everything and anything you can read online? One of the challenges, which was one of the reasons I started the lowdown, was I found myself trawling internet forums and you read one person's uh, point of view and you're never really sure whether that's the norm or the exception um, and obviously an issue that the internet has always and pro- probably will always have is that you know the loudest kind of most unhappy voices shout the loudest right so um, it's 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 difficult and, and the reason I wanted to create a platform like this was to structure and collect that data in a way that you could filter and understand it a bit more objectively. Obviously, it's still subjective, but hopefully with scale and um, a bit more structure around it, you can make it more useful to people. Yeah, I I definitely find that can be a problem. Um, And you have to accept some things with a pinch of salt. Obviously, platforms like the Lowdown will never replace medical advice and, and should never replace medical advice. But it's so useful to go on there and read and learn and get just to get a sense of what types of things are coming up potentially after or, or um, you know, or before your conversation with a doctor. Yeah. Maybe just um, to just kind of educate yourself and see what to ask, I guess, because yeah. appointments are limited as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and the internet's got some really, useful resources um i don't always think the information is presented in the right way uh there's a lot of data behind contraception um what hormones are in it how it works uh what generation of pill um you know sorry what generation of hormones those pills contain how much they cost um all of these things and uh i think 
there's some really good opportunities to to bring that information to life in a more engaging and easier to understand way yeah absolutely and it's a community i mean you really are effectively revolutionizing the way we view um different methods and kind of talking to each other which i think there's a lot of value in that um so in terms of because you said scalability of you know with scale obviously and the more data you have the more it improves what's out there where do you see it going in the next couple of years I think we want to build uh, build out the platform to be more global and to make sure that our data isn't biased and we're not just collecting it from a certain subset of women um, with certain characteristics to really speak to women and understand what would help them in that process. And I'm always on the lookout. Or if anyone has any feedback or ideas, I'd love to hear them. Um, and to really, yeah, build out the ultimate badass way of understanding and uh, navigating and choosing um, contraception is really our overall vision to help solve problems and um, reduce the time and effort and energy that women have to spend on this. Yeah, it's incredibly viable. And the statistics have literally blown my mind, just everything you've said. Um, Is there a scientific evidence then to sort of stand behind the argument that there are because I've seen again this is from the internet it's kind of you know navigating this information filtering through and you sometimes don't have the knowledge to know what's good and bad and what's accurate what is the 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 scientific evidence to underpin this idea that when you use hormonal birth control it has those adverse effects on your mood on your emotions on your body, because I think sometimes we dismiss that as, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. It happens to everyone. Or, you know, you're just going through a phase. Yeah. I've been told that. Yeah. Yeah, there there is evidence. And it's just how society and whether we, like, how and whether society chooses to accept um, or minimize that evidence and women's experience. pharmaceutical companies obviously carry out clinical trials and studies to get those drugs to market um but what they tend to tell consumers is you know may cause headaches may cause mood changes which i don't know about you but i don't find that that helpful so (laughs) there's evidence um unfortunately not a lot of it is um very accessible uh which is i guess another thing that the lowdown is trying to solve or or build build out something to, to help with is making um, this data accessible, um, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's exactly that. It's how how we're using that evidence, uh, and I, I think that the sad thing is that it's accepted that we we sort of have to put up with these things, which just isn't right. Yeah, absolutely. I guess what is then the way out? You know, do you think because there's a lot of conversation? I think that in the past couple of years, at least on male contraception. And I want to hear your view on that. What do you think about that? Male contraceptives, my views on this slightly conflict with each other. The process of developing them has raised some really interesting issues around the double double standards and what we expect men and women to put up with. Uh, in 2016, there was actually a, a year-long trial of male contraceptives that was stopped earlier than planned when uh, 20 of the 320 participants dropped out after complaining of side effects. That's no. Six, yeah, that's 6% of that um, trial. 
Um, this was despite the fact it showed that it was effective at stopping pregnancy in over 96% of the couples. And the side effects were judged to have been unacceptable. And these included acne, increased libido and mood disorders. So just to put that in perspective, <laughs> 78% of women who've left a review at the lowdown uh, report side effects, uh, unwanted side effects with their contraception. So that's 78% versus 6% of men. Uh, and it's it's just, it's really interesting what what that means to us and and yeah how that how that's allowed to happen um but male contraception also raises really interesting ethical issues around what it means to if you still if you still if you're of the view that women are predominantly the caregivers of children and 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 childbirth and and predominantly a look after children if you're of that view a man taking contraception to stop pregnancy in a woman somebody else it's quite interesting because it's, mm. it's it's he'd he'd have to put up with potential side effects mainly not also of himself but also for that other person uh, and i think we find that a lot more comfortable when that responsibility is on the woman's side because of where we put the responsibilities around gender roles and and child and children yeah do you think that's changing though definitely is changing and as i say it's not obviously commonly held view but I, the, the other thing that also springs to mind that annoys me is when people talk about like well can we trust men to take the conscious you know the pill <laughs> it's like <laughs> what the same men that are like what ceos presidents running the world <laughs> Yeah, okay, all right. They can do everything, but the one thing we don't trust them to do is take a contraceptive. So it would be this this trial that you're speaking of that was a hormonal potential option or Yeah, I, I forget whether it was the an injection or a gel. Um but yeah, it was a hormonal solution. And there's lots of things that they're targeting to see whether it stops sperm from existing and um you know can switch off enzymes and things that play a role in the way that we reproduce wow that's fascinating um yeah i do remember reading about it and then it just kind of dropped out of the news every now and then a story will crop up uh, there's a joke that male contraception has been 30 years away for 30 years it's it's going to still take uh, from what i understand a, a couple more decades and still billions of pounds of research to get something live but that should not mean that we give up hope that should not mean that we uh you know cancel clinical trials for those reasons and it should not mean that we accept the status quo and, and don't keep pushing and asking for these new approaches yeah absolutely so when just for context um when did you start the lowdown i started researching it about two years ago um, and it took me about a year to research and then it went live last February. Amazing. I think you obviously have so much potential to scale it. And I think it's interesting. It's an interesting time in general to be a woman mm. and sort of taking charge of that's why I asked you, do, do you think it's changed? Do you think it's the, those sort of uh, gender responsibilities that we assign are changing? I think there's definitely a shift. And it's going to go pretty quickly, is my prediction. A hundred percent. And, I, you know, the site uh, launched last year. And in that year, I've had so many conversations. There seems to be a real hot topic at the moment about contraception and hormones and the pill. And, you know, is it right that we have to put up with these side effects? And it's 
been brilliant. I, I think it's brilliant that we're having these these conversations. They're such important topics, and it's yeah, it's not been talked about for too long. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's why I'm so excited, and I have so many questions. But I think you'll notice, and this is kind of maybe just the audience of of my podcast, but you know. I have women of relatively all kinds of age groups, but one recurring thing is, and you said it in the beginning of, of our chat, was you are moving a bit more now towards a kind of a less intrusive method of contraception. And a lot of women have a lot of questions about fertility tracking apps. Mm-hmm. You know, that's relatively new. I mean, is it they they are probably the newest thing in this space they we we collect reviews for natural cycles on on the lowdown and it's really interesting seeing the types of experiences women are having um obviously they are less effective than other methods and there's some sad stories on there of women who've got pregnant whilst using them and and unfortunately that's not been something they you know want and and have had to deal with and it's really really tricky so I always I'm very interested in what they mean for us and I'm very pleased that they encourage us to take control of our body and our hormones and understand them better I just think more more research needs to be done in that space and I hope that they can become more accurate and we can develop technologies that enable them to be more accurate yeah I think there's definitely room for growth because in a lot of aspects in in our lives in general I think a lot of people are considering more holistic is it right to say holistic I mean a bit more wholesome ways to almost like a return you know like no progress has been made with all of this progress that has gone really nowhere so you come back at square one you know what can we do that's natural yeah we've gone full circle I think there's a lot of talk about natural and being natural and I the one thing I would always say is um I'm not I think contraception's brilliant Uh, it obviously gives us all so much freedom independence and it's I, I don't ever want to shame any particular method or discourage women from, you know, choosing something that's right for them. Uh, and I think it can also be used in brilliant ways to regulate hormones or periods or improve your life. So it's it's interesting to see where that natural kind of no hormones discussion goes. And uh, I hope that I hope that yeah, I'm, I hope that more women just find whatever's right for them and whatever they feel is right for their body because they know it better than anyone else. Yeah, you know your body better than anyone else. That's very true. <laughs> I think, yeah, the bottom line is, and I'm so happy to have you here today with me to talk about this because I think the more you spread the message, the more, obviously, the more data is going to come out, the more people are going to share and it just contributes to like collective enlightenment on the topic in a way thank you thanks so much for having me thank you as well and uh, i guess do you want to share what's next for the lowdown where can people find you know what resources are available because i think it's not just a forum right it's no. there's a lot of resources yes yeah, so it's available at the lowdown the ldown.com and our instagram is at get the ldown uh, we post a lot of our results and findings on there. So if you want to continue the conversation, uh, check us out on Instagram. And on the site, you can search for reviews and filter them. Um, so you can find reviews and experiences from people like you. Uh, and you can read up on all the contraceptive methods, how they work, and take a look at some of the data that we've collected on them. Amazing. And I, I'm sure you get a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. 
and um we love answering them so yeah check out our instagram and and you know drop us a dm i'll link all of this in the description uh in the show notes of this episode so people can check you out people can check you out on instagram i think that's where i saw these really amazing infographics and kind of you know a more visual representation of what the data looks like which is really great and then of course instagram and the website have the advantage of being a peer-to-peer review website so it's just a sense of community as well which Mm. is again so valuable because sometimes it can feel a bit lonely in that space yeah definitely it's all about uh, not feeling alone